Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Hi, this is Margot Escott, and I'm going to try to get it right this time. My guest today is Brian Palmero. Oh, you did it again. Is it, that, that's, I, I, I'm actually Brian Palermo. Palmero oh, is the transpose. Oh, thank you for pronouncing it correctly, because this is our 15th take, uh, our audience out there. So finally, we got it right, thanks to Brian. And so anyway, I am so happy to be here with him today, even if I can't pronounce his name. I just met him recently. I was at the Ventures Improv Festival and took a fantastic workshop with him. It was really great. And so he was so kind. He said he would do a podcast with me, despite mispronouncing his name. And so I'm going to find a little bit more about Brian Palermo. Yay! And uh, one thing I know for sure is he's from Metairie, New Orleans, and I had some family down there. And a little bit about how you got into acting and interest in drama. Was that at an early age? Yes and no. I, I had the interest early on, but I didn't have the courage. So I didn't uh, try out for any kind of uh, real acting thing until college when uh, I took a bunch of acting electives because I, I have a degree in communications, but I finally got the nerve and said, I'll take an acting class, you know, and uh, there won't be huge stakes and, and maybe I'll, I'll like it. And of course I loved it. And as one part, it might've been one day of a, like a acting 101, we did improv, like just an improv scene day. And that totally turned me on and blew my brain. It's like, oh, that's great fun. I want to, I wanted to, and so then I started chasing after the improv dragon and I did um, play with a group out of Tulane. I went to UNO, University of New Orleans, but there was a group at Tulane called Theater Schmieder and I, I uh, auditioned <laughs> for them and I played with them in the French Quarter. We did a couple of bar prop shows and then I moved out to LA and started pursuing it sort of uh, at a more professional level, I guess. So you really got bit right away. And I think that's common with a lot of us. It's like that first class. Whoa, I want more. It's so fun. And, and I don't, I, I know this much of the science behind the brain chemistry, but you get that dopamine hit of like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm really alive in this moment. I have no idea what you're going to say. I have no idea what I'm going to say. And that, that, um, that uncertainty keeps you really uh, frosty in your brain. So you're, you're ready to go in whatever direction. And I just thought that was, I still think that's the most fun because it's all this excitement, but with very little stakes. If you, if you come up with a silly story about a giraffe riding a bicycle, no one dies, no one cares, you know? So you get to in, enjoy all the fun without any of the, the stakes. It's, uh, it's, it's perfect. It's wonderful. And it's also this way of connecting with other people. Yeah. You know, uh, we did a scene earlier and I felt so connected to you right away. I mean, it was just great. There was no worries, no fears. And 
It's such a wonderful thing to do. It's so great. For, I think everybody should take an improv class. Oh, it's, I, I echo that a thousand percent. It's a life skill. You know, improv is a life skill. So you can use it theatrically uh, or performatively or whatever the, you know, the right adjective is. But you, you can and do improvise almost every minute of your life, you know. Yeah. So you should, you know, try to learn some, some techniques to help you do that more effectively. And like you said, the connection, just the interpersonal communication. I teach a ton of, uh, of communication stuff. And just the interpersonal communication uh, benefits of improv training are through the roof and they help you in every aspect of your life. And we'll talk about, you do corporate trainings, I understand. So we can get into that a little bit. So when you went out to LA, did you have a job waiting for you? Um, I did. I had one friend, my, one of my uh, high school friends, uh, Jamie Elliott, who had moved out four years prior to me. And by then she was working for a background casting company. So people who, they would book extras and then go down the set and, and wrangle the extras and then come back to the office and book extras for the next day and whatever. So she had offered me a gig before I ever came out. So I knew I had something to, to start with, you know, and I stayed with her for about six or seven months. And then I, I moved on to another job, but I had, I had that going out. Wow. That's a great story. That's not the usual story you hear about people going to LA, is it? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was ready to bartend or waiter or busboy or, you know, do whatever kind of uh, survival job I needed to do. Cause that's, that's the most common way. I mean, that's gotta be 99% of the stories is you gotta go and get a day job and survive whilst you learn, whilst you evolve, whilst you rehearse, whilst you train, uh, you know, all that stuff. But I had this, this friend from Metairie and when she moved out and luckily was able to give me that gig at the beginning, I at least had some kind of foothold that I knew I wasn't gonna be starving for the first year, you know? How blessed. So when you got out there, what was your next path? You were doing extra work at first or? I was, yeah, I did a little extra work for sure over the years, but this gig was coordinating extras. So I would have to book them and then go down to the set the next day and, you know, wrangle them and stuff. So I did that for a while, but immediately I started taking uh, improv classes. The, my first class was at the Groundlings, my first class out here in LA. But then I played with um, LA Theater Sports, which uh -huh. I loved. I was there for three or four yeah. years and amazing training there. And also at, at a place called the LA Connection, uh, a wild side theater. I played with anybody who would have me, man. I was a, I was right. a real improv uh, uh, harlot. I would just go anywhere <laughs> I could play. Wow, so you played some of the really well, how many years ago that you started at the ground? I took the first class literally 30 how many years, years ago. 30 years ago is when I took the first class. And then when I got in the company was 22 or 23. You know, it took me six or seven years to get in the company. Wow. And then you, you were working, though. With, we're going to do the name drop game now. So let's name drop a little bit about some of the people you worked with at the Groundlings that I didn't what? even know were Groundling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so my favorite uh, folks to mention are people I played with specifically, which is Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Will Ferrell, Chris Parnell, um, and uh, uh, newer Groundlings, Mikey Day, Taryn Killam, Heidi Gardner, who's on SNL right now. I barely played with her because she came up after me. But I got to play with all these Mindy Sterling, Lynn Stewart, Paul Rubens, who is Pee Wee Herman. Uh, I've, I've played with uh, Lorraine Newman, Lisa Kudrow. I mean, just the, just the whole spectrum. And all those people I just mentioned are Groundling alumni. 
That's incredible. I have to ask you about Kristen because that's one of my favorite people in the world. She's amazing. Was she working on developing her characters when she was at the Groundlings? Is that what she was doing? Yeah, very much so. So the Groundlings style, uh, and we're much less known than, you know, Second City or UCB or whatever out there uh, globally, but the Groundlings style is all emotion and character, and really it's characters having emotions. So character is the number one filter there. So people who are good at that and or who enjoy doing character comedy will seek us out. And so in the classes, you're, everybody's developing characters, but people such as Kristen and Will and Melissa and Maya, all those guys have mentioned, they were already good at it. They knew how to develop a character so they could bring it back. All the characters I did were very superficial. You know, my, I, that's not my strength. But um, people such as all those guys were talking about, I mean, they did great character work and they would develop characters that they could take on to other career places. So this is how most of those people got on Saturday Night Live and, and Mad TV and oh, Michael McDonald and Wendy McClendon Covey, uh, Stephanie Courtney, who is Flo the progressive girl. That's a character, you know, and she created that character and then it became Flo. So uh, yeah, character stuff is, is really the, the, the gist and the drive at, at Groundlings. And some people such as those we named are excellent at it. They're, they're world-class at it. I want, how do you teach character work? I mean, is that something that they teach or is it something oh, people innately have? What do you think it, about that? It's, it's definitely both. I mean, and some people innately have it because they've been playing with it. You know, when you do comedy bits with your friends and stuff, sometimes you can go into character or whatever. So some people have a little experience coming into it. But yes, Groundlings teaches character. And that is like the main just gist of what we teach. So it's what defines a character, how to play it, where to find them, how to make it believable in some way so it's not a cartoon, yet exaggerated so it's comedically effective. You know, there's a lot, it's like anything, there's a million details that go into it that you don't process when you just see Will Ferrell do a great thing that makes you laugh. You know, you don't process all that, but it's all there. You know, there's, there's, there's uh, identifiable skills that you can then teach and if you can practice them enough, you can improve on them. So yeah, identifiable and practicable skills. So when you mentioned Will Ferrell, I see him in that hot tub with Rachel Drake. Um, Dratch, yeah. Dratch, and Dratch yeah. is from Second City, Chicago. Dratch is, I played with her at another thing. I love her. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, she's kind of underrated, I think, as being such a fantastic improviser. Agreed. So now, do you teach character work in your classes? I do sometimes. So because just I've only started getting into the sort of the global improv scene just the past year or two. I've been very L.A. centric because that's where I, I've been for 30 years or whatever. Um, so often when people reach out and ask me to teach a workshop, they'll specifically ask me to teach character stuff because of my Groundlings connection. But I also teach, you know, everything. So uh, as far as uh, long forms or short forms or just your basics. I push a lot of emotion. If I, if it's up to me, I'll teach a ton of emotion stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, I do teach a lot of character stuff because I'm generally asked to do so. And I love it. I like to, I like to throw that out. And I like to balance it with the other stuff as well. 
That's so incredible. I just love it. I, I love trying to do character work. I'm, I need a lot of help on it, though. I'll have to take a class with you the next time you have one. Please do. And we all do. It's not a natural thing. And, or you come up with characters, but they're not believable yet. They're, they're, they're too broad or they're, just, they're, they're, they're not specific enough. You know, there's a million things. You, you add mannerisms such as like, right, I, I gesture all the time. That's me naturally. Um, right, right. But I'm a little hyper right now because I'm talking with you. I'm on a cat. So I get a little more. So these behavioral mannerisms of just gesturing and stuff, people play with their hair, people, you know, these are all believable behavioral mannerisms that you can add to a character and then exaggerate them, you know, for the- Heighten, yeah, and heighten. Yeah, so, so now you've been doing film work. I mean, the one that impressed me was that you'd worked with Paul Rubens, um, yeah. but do you have a film that you're very, very proud of? I mean, do you have anything that you've done that yeah, I did a bit in The Social Network, which is uh, David Fincher directed and uh, written by, uh, who wrote The West Ring? That guy, I can't think of his name in the moment. Um, those were, are very demanding people, right? And so this is not a comedy at all. I was playing a computer science professor at Harvard. I'm not a computer science guy. I'm not a Harvard guy. I, was, I had to act. And I had to pronounce one of the words in my dialogue phonetically because I didn't even know what it meant um, so all this computer science jargony stuff, and, uh, and, and it came out really well. We did a million takes of it. Uh, Fincher is known for that, um, but I, I was really uh, uh, proud of doing that. Um, then as, that was just a, a great scene kind of thing. As far as a great job, I met Rachel Dratch on this movie called My Life in Ruins, which is a Nia Vardalos movie. She's Second City out of Toronto, right? So and she did My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is all her uh, one woman show that she had done big characters in her family and that became the movie because Tom Hanks saw it with Rita Wilson who happens to be Greek, blah, 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 blah. All this improv love, all this character love and then you meet this person, that person, blah, blah, blah. So I loved working on My Life in Ruins with Nia and Dratch and all the other people that were on. Was, that was just a great gig. I got to go to Europe for two months and uh, that's a, that was a rare treat for me. Oh, where did you go to Europe? Where did you go? Spain and Greece. So we shot in Spain for six weeks uh, to be Greece, to stand in for Greece. And then we were actually in Greece for two weeks. Uh, Athens, uh, Olympia, and another city I can't remember right now. Oh, my God. That's so. Now, we, we talked about our mutual friend, um, Jay Succo. And yep. uh, that was one way I met you as well, through Jay. And... Um, he was, he was a help. I think the improvisers, we really try to help each other, don't you think? Um, For the most part, yeah. And especially nowadays more. I think uh, 20, 30 years ago when I started, there was a little bit of, well, there's a competitive vibe because I'm in Hollywood. And, and everybody who was a, an improviser was also auditioning to get professional work. So you always feel like, oh, there's Kakowski, there's Rosowski, there's Suko, there's Valancourt, there's O'Connor, there's all these other 40-year-old white improviser men that is my category, and I see them all the time, and Mark Evan Jackson, and oh God, I can name, I can name a billion more uh, great improvisers who are also trying to get, you know, two lines on friends and whatever. So you see each other in a competitive environment, but then when you actually play with each other on stage, it's all support all the time. There's no, so, so there's no competition I felt between the individual humans, but the environment certainly was because if I got the job, that meant someone did not. If someone else got the job, that meant I did not. So there's always the reality to it. But when you go right past that into, all right, let's get these two guys on stage together, love, support, enthusiastic, 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 
agreement and yes anding and you can build with anybody so yes supporters uh would define improvisers as well they're they're one and the same well that's one of the things i love about improv and you have to study quite a while i think i have been well 10 i've been 10 years now studying Great. And you have to really have some studying and training because i don't think people automatically get that they want to start arguments or they want to stereotype me i've always complained to jay about the fact that everybody wants to make me their grandmother or uh -huh. you know, their demented aunt in a nursing home or something and Perfect. uh yeah i can do the character it's not you know it's not too far from real life uh but i think the more you have the more you're able to really give to another person and start loving that person right away no matter you know if you have differences and whatever you're there with them right away and that's I just love that fellowship that we have, you know? Not only, yeah, absolutely right. Not only is it fellowship, it's, it's presence. It's, it's dynamic in this moment right now. You and I are doing a thing right now and we're both creating, I, you know, it's yes and you say thing, I say a thing. Neither of us know what it's going to be, but together we build the sandcastle, you know, and uh, that's pretty awesome. And a lot of people, I think, uh, to, not that I'm throwing normies under the bus, Normies is what I call non-improvised. Uh, but a lot of people are, don't get much opportunity to exercise their creativity. I won't say that they're not creative, but they don't get a lot of opportunity or they, or they don't self-select opportunity to, to play with their creativity. So people are, are repressed and, and, and they come from um, a place where they, they think it's, it's not right to be playful when you're a grown up or something and they don't know these forms. So I love, I love teaching beginning classes the most because you see, pe see people light up and go oh this is we can just do this stuff together you know we can just make this stuff yeah yeah you can and here are some guidelines to make it even better i love that that's the best feeling in the world oh it is i agree so um i, I want to ask you about actually the history of the groundlings because i have talked okay. to some people from second city i'm kind of a spolen devotee myself um sure. so can you give me the history of the groundlings yeah, it's uh, briefly, it's almost 50. I think we we're 48 years old or something like that. It's almost at our 50 year anniversary, very close to that. So it's been around that long. In the 70s, it was a, uh, a theater created by Gary Austin, who was part of the committee in the 60s in San Francisco. San Francisco. So Gary Austin played with like Robin Williams and other, other people of that age. I don't, I don't know who all was in the committee. I apologize. But anyway, he came down to LA, started this workshop. It became comedy stuff. It became uh, character stuff. Then it became improv and sketch and it became the groundling. So uh, it's been up and running for that long. Uh, it took 10 or 15 years for it to become kind of a, a known hot thing in groundling in uh, LA rather as comedy, maybe not that long, but by then they started the school. So say 10, 15 years into it, it became sort of a, a school and a theater, like more of a, an institution. Um, and then since then, all those, all those great people I mentioned and you know, so many others that came out of the Groundlings brought some uh, attention to us, but really we're, we're small. You know, we're a 99 seat because it's, it's not equity. So we have to be 99 seat, not-for-profit theater that over 50 years has had maybe 100 or 150 people actually in the company. We have a lot of students, but it's a very limited company. So Phil Hartman and Cassandra Peterson, who is Elvira, you know, John Lovitz, and uh, people from the 80s and such, and uh, they add to, Conan O'Brien was in our Sunday company, and uh, we want, I, I 
desperately wanted Conan to be in the company, but that was long before me. Anyway, so a lot of amazing talent have gone through the Groundlings, and many of them are writers that most of the, uh, the, the population won't recognize, but they've worked on every sitcom. Every sitcom you've seen that was in the 80s or 90s had some kind of Groundling on it, either on camera or behind the scene. It was, it was a huge comedy, you know, beacon. So all the comedy people went there. And it's still going strong other than COVID at the moment. Right. So that collection of, of actors you spoke about, Phil Hartman, makes me so sad. Uh, I, I keep watching his stuff over and over again because he was so brilliant. He, the way he could transform his face and do the, those characters. Um, you worked with some incredible people. And, and you're incredible yourself. I mean, I really hope my listeners sign up for some classes with you that you. we'll talk about. Um, but tell me about actually what's been going on with you since the pandemic, because I've been working out of my home for about seven months now. So, you know, so working out of the house, um, that is, I'm trying to get rid of that weird thing. Uh, uh, that's been, that's been okay. There's the silver lining is I've met you and many others around the country and the world that I would have never met in person. So that's my silver lining. And I, I like to start with that because that's a positive, right? Um, so this is really neat. And the vintage improv, uh, festival that I met you at, I didn't know any of those people. I didn't know Mickey. She did an amazing job of creating this thing. Yeah. I've met improvisers uh, in India and all over the States. And I've, uh, I've been asked to do a couple of projects with a couple of different people. So, you know, solidifying some new relationships, all that's been great. As far as the actual income and living and making a hustle off of it. So I do some teaching online that's both comedic and theatrical as well as my corporate side. So I teach a lot of corporate improv for business training and then a specific niche within that is uh, improv for scientists or science communicators. And that's my favorite, Margo. I love that because I'm a big science geek. So I work with uh, science organizations and they'll bring me in to help uh, their communicators with presentation skills and with narrative skills. And depending on the team, sometimes I'll get that, I'll be brought in to work specifically on collaboration or generating creativity or just clarity of communication, whatever they need, you know, I'll customize something for them. But all of it utilizes improv exercises. And sometimes I just say, yep, they're exercises and I don't even use the improv word in, in corporate world because it freaks some people out or they might get turned off or they, generally they think you have to be funny and people get super anxious. It's not about being funny. It's about listening. It's about using a heightened emotional intelligence. It's, a, it's about collaborating, having a yes and minds, you know, all the, all the good things that you apply for comedy and theater and theater, pardon me, you can also apply to all these other life skills. Well, in the uh, text that accompanies our podcast, I'm going to have the links to your classes and all of that Thank good you. stuff about you. And uh, I, I know we have limited time, but I'm having such a great time talking with you today. Let's keep talking. What are we talking about? Woohoo! Let's make something else up. Um, so, uh, oh, you mentioned the interest in science. I know I was going to say, so you know the work Alan Alda's been doing out in Stony Brook, Long Island. So I sure do. That's the... Uh, the the Allen Alda Center for Communication or Center for Science Communication, perhaps. Um, yeah, I've been trying to, to get a gig with them for a long time. Uh, I reached out to the board. I knew somebody on the board. Alan Alda gave, uh, gave uh, my co-authors and I a plug for our book about communicating in the science world, the technical world. I, I'm a I've been a fan of Alda as an actor since I was a kid because I watched every episode of, of MASH. 
And yeah. I love him as a communicator as well. I'm very aware of his work at Stony Brook, although I've not taken any of their workshops. I've worked with a lot of scientists who have and taken mine, and they say we do a lot of similar. I, I, I imagine it's gotta be very similar. It's, it's improv exercises as applied to communications and, and presentation skills and all that kind of stuff we mentioned. So I did want to say that my, my dad had Parkinson's and oh. um, I took care yeah. of and I teach people improv. I do improv for Parkinson's people and their care. Oh, good. And um, so Alan Alda has been even a bigger hero and I, I've tried to reach out to him too. He's got, you might have a better chance than I do, Brian. I don't know. I did years <laughs> ago, but I haven't heard anything from them in a couple of years. It's not like I know the man personally. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me about your book. Uh, I want to be able to show it. Uh, this is called uh, Connection, Hollywood Storytelling Meets Critical Thinking. And I wrote it with two co-authors, Randy Olson and Dory Barton. And uh, my part of it was how to use improv training for better presentation skills, for better communication skills, specifically in the world of technical communication. So all my science people, but I also work with accountants and, uh, you know, people just have hard numbers that they've got to communicate, hard programming things. It's very funny. In that world, uh, people are information focused. So they figure if they've got their content and their data, they've got everything they need. But I would preach, you can have all the content and data and information you want, but you've got to be audience focused. You've got to be communication focused in order to make that data land on anybody who gives a poo so it's uh it's that kind of balance and teaching that and i love all that stuff yeah so that was a book that but that's just self-published it's not a big deal but um that's how we got we got all in alan alda wrote something on the back of it yeah <laughs> the first thing so of course we put him up there uh, anyway so yes 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 I, I love it i work at jpl which is jet propulsion labs they're funded by NASA. So they have got to get NASA to approve their projects for billions of dollars if they get them. So sometimes I work with their different teams to help their presentation skills, to help them get funding so they can do their science. Otherwise, they don't get to do science if you don't get funded. It's a huge deal. They have stakes. They have stakes. It's, it's, it's very different from our, our comedy world. That is fabulous. And you call yourself a science geek. Did you already like science? You mean actually before you got this gig, you were developing? Yeah, yeah, very much. I'm just a science fanboy, you know, so all, I, don't, I don't have any science training. I, so I look at it like just a layman who is interested in it. And then I really I respect what they do so much. I respect scientists so much because it's another one of these, you know, unappreciated careers and people lay people don't understand how important the sciences are, you know, and a lot of times uh, scientists have to communicate, well, we, we did all these experiments and we, we learned that it's still uncertain and that's very unsatisfying for a non-scientist audience. So that's where you have a huge disconnect, which was our entire theme was connection. Uh, but you and I talked about connection from the, the improv, the theatrical part at the earlier part of this conversation. That's what improv gives you, better connection skills. And you connect with other humans in any element of your life, you know, performatively, business-wise, uh, romantic partnerships, transactions, parent-child, uh, neighbors, uh, buying a cup of coffee, everything is interpersonal communication and everything is improved by improv skills. Everything, absolutely yeah. everything. everything, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what's your what's your day going to be like today? You're a couple hours behind um, me. It's, I am. It's I am morning. part of a. I'm part of on on the science communication thing. I'm part of a group that's uh, teaching a course to national park services, or at least one group from national park services. So we're teaching them presentation skills and narrative. After that, I'm doing a. Uh, uh, a show, a cyber show tonight with my friend Jonathan Mangum. Mangum is a great improviser. He has been partnered up with um, Wayne Brady for almost 30 years. And I met both of them at LA Theater Sports back then. But Jonathan is the on-air announcer for Let's Make a Deal that, um, that Wayne uh, hosts. Anyway, Jonathan's got a show online. Oh, I want to plug it, but I don't know the name of it. Uh, it's something on, you, it's you make your... This might not come out for another week or so, but right. Well, he'll he'll have a, he'll have other shows, uh, so mine will be over, or you can watch it, you know, saved. But it's called You Jokes, and it's a great format. Jonathan uh, sets gives a bunch of setups to a couple of professional comedians and a couple of people at home, and then uh, you throw your jokes out, and I guess he judges them or something. So I'm doing that today, and in between all that, I will help homeschool the boys who are on cyber stuff. I've got two little boys. Oh. And uh, yeah, and then life, and then and and uh, life. And then on Wednesday nights, there's something very special you do. I do uh, the Crazy Uncle Joe show, which is uh, the Groundlings long form set, and we've been doing it every Wednesday night for 19 years. So we took a couple of months off at the beginning of the of the pandy, which I call the pandemic, but now we're back, alternating weeks on Wednesday, cybernetically. So we do the show. It's you get a ticket through the Groundlings website, but it's called the Crazy Uncle Joe show. You will see a ton of character work in that, and you're going to see it in a medium frame such as this. So you're going to see a lot of, a lot of people uh, with a lot of different characters, but we go incredibly quickly. Our pace is, it's a clap edit. So you and I are doing a thing, somebody claps, and we go to the next thing. And it, we didn't design the, the format to be so fast paced, but it has just become so fast paced over the years and everybody likes playing it. So we just, we just keep it that way. So that's every other Wednesday on the groundlings, the crazy uncle Joe show. And I've done a thousand crazy uncle Joe shows over almost 20 years. And um, I've gotten to play with a lot of great people from, uh, from our extended world as well. So this is groundlings people, but we have outside guests or non groundlings guests. So Gary Anthony Williams plays with us a lot. I've had Rosowski, I've had Joe Bill, uh, Paul Valancourt, uh, both the Kukowskis, uh, uh, Dan O'Connor, of course. So, you know, we, we try to get a lot of people. And then through, through the pandemic, I met Michelle uh, Gilliam, Gilliam yes. uh, John, John Hillstrip, and uh, Bala in India. I don't want to butcher Bala's last name. But I met them through another project I'm doing with Jay. So I've had them all. I've had Jay as a guest before and Landon. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big incestuous improv tribe. And you try to include everybody a little bit when you can. So fun to play with. Fabulous. How old are your boys? 12 and 9. 12 and wow. 9. How are they coping these days? Do they like being home? Pretty well. No, you know, one of them likes being home because it's, it's less actual minutes of instruction. So that to him is a benefit. The other one would rather be with his buddies at school. And, and I, I get both sides of that, you know, but we're muddling through like everybody else. You know, we're very, we're very lucky that we've got Wi-Fi access and we've got a house that they can be in separate rooms if we have to be, you know, we're very lucky to have all that. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but otherwise we're just kind of muddling through like everybody else. Well, I bet you're a wonderful dad and I bet you're a fun dad. You probably like to play with them and 
Yes, totally, totally fun, Dad. And but but I'll drop into improv coach dad and it's like shut up, shut up, shut up. They want, you know, there was a time we were doing improv games and stuff and everything was shark. So it didn't matter what you said, a shark came in and ate you, or a shark had lasers and a shark shot you with a shark. Everything was shark. And so so I would try to get them away from shark themed materials. Like, guys, sharks are awesome. Sharks are fantastic. I love sharks. You love sharks. But there are other things. Let's expand our repertoire to other things. And I it was I was just throwing a big old wet blanket on a, a happy, happy shark fire. So I had to learn it's like you're not you're not improv coach right now. You're just shark dad be shark dad that's funny i had a group of kids and it was vampires all the time they would play i'm you know i am a tree and it would always be vampires under this tree <laughs> yeah yeah of course that's their connection you know and i get that i get that uh and i just you, you want them to be uh vampires and sharks under the tree you know let the vampire and the shark mate and then you've got a whole new species and it's, it's supernatural and it's preternatural and it's prehistoric and it's all this fantastic stuff that's, that to me is, that's another beauty of improv is you can take a tree and then add vampire and shark and you get a whole new thing. Absolutely. No mistakes. Well, listen, I have been just honored to speak to you today. I can't wait to take some classes with you. And um, I just think you're a wonderful person and a great improv teacher. And that's the point of my Thank interviews you. here. It's a very generic name, improv interviews, is to let people know more about improv and how it can help you in things outside of theater and performance. So I'm just tremendously grateful. And You're welcome. And thank you, Margo. I appreciate you, uh, you know, plugging me or just having any interest. Or, and it's just fun to have a, a, a conversation with somebody else that's, that, that likes improv. That's always good. It's always good. So I wish you a peaceful, wonderful day. And uh, see you later. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.